This is Anthony Casey. Welcome to episode 17 of Training Path and Truth. much for taking your call and, and uh, reaching out um, I, I know I was just going to give a brief introduction to yourself you're a, a plant-based athlete and a licensed nutritionist who runs a website mytrueself.com is that right that's correct yes that's great and I know you reached out because I was um, I was doing the vegan diet there I, I still am and um, I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to some professionals or someone who is more licensed um to get more information on it so you might you might run me through um kind of your background and your athletic experience and how you got to becoming uh, a vegan yeah absolutely so i spent the first um 20 years of my life after graduating from college um, basically you know in the rat race working my way up the corporate ladder And in my late 30s, I was running into some health problems. And specifically, when I was about 35 years old, I had a physician run a lipid panel, and they also did a carotid artery scan, which is basically a a scan, an ultrasound of your carotid artery in your neck. Okay. And they found that my arteries... Um, had plaque forming and they kind of they're able to kind of predict your age like the health of your arteries based on the amount of plaque and so they said that I had the arteries of a 46 year old even though I was only 35. Wow. Yeah so it was a little bit of a wake-up call but to be honest with you I didn't make any drastic changes at that time. It really took me about five years to really come to grips with the real change that I needed to make that would have a, a pr- pretty significant impact on my health overall. So um, for about five years, I was following what was supposedly a healthy diet, you know, low fat dairy, chicken breast, fish, you know, that yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, dietary pattern. And my cholesterol went from horrible to borderline bad. And I was in that state for about five years. And in my early 40s, late 30s, early 40s, I started feeling just lethargic and tired all the time. I couldn't think clearly. And I started going on these detoxes, right? The master cleanse and all these different things. (laughs) And I noticed that I felt best when I was coming off of those cleanses, specifically when I was just eating vegetable broth and fruits and vegetables um, before there's what they call the transition diet, transitioning back to your normal diet, to my normal healthy diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And um, so after a few of those cleanses and realizing and kind of making the connection, wow, you know what? I feel better when I just eat vegetables and fruit that, that maybe there's something to that. Maybe I could, you know, consider going vegetarian. And so in January of 2012, after um, I came back, my husband and I came back from this vacation, we were in um, Europe um, for about a week or so and really overdid it, you know, and I said, you know what, I'm going to just go vegetarian. And the way I approached it was I just decided, okay, for two days out of the week, I'm going to eat vegetarian. And then I increased it to three, four, five, and so forth until in June of 2012, I was kind of, you know, claiming, okay, I'm a full vegetarian. And about a month later, I watched two documentaries back to back. Um, one was Forks Over Knives and the other one, yeah, you've probably seen that one, huh? I've seen bits of it, are, yeah. Okay. And then the other one that I watched was, was Earthlings, um, which really looks at more of the animal rights side of, you know, our diet, among other things. And um, I walked into the kitchen that weekend and said to my husband, I said, honey, I'm going vegan. And to my surprise, he said, okay, I'll do it with you. Really? Yeah, straight away. I know. I know. It was awesome. I know a lot of people don't get that instant support from their partners, but no. uh, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. And um, so I, for me, it was kind of like, okay, well, I've given up the meat already. You know, I've already claimed to be vegetarian. It was more about the dairy and the eggs. Yeah. And, and so it was for me kind of easy at that point because um, I had already done most of the legwork, you know, yeah. earlier that year. So in January 2012, I was full on whole food, plant based vegan. And um, you have to understand, I was 41 years old at that time, and I had never been physically active on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, I just had all this energy. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I um, ended up uh, agreeing to this bicycle ride in Michigan for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And it was three days, 300 miles, so about 100 miles each day. And I know. <laughs> so I um, decided to... Um, recruit a coach to help me train for that. And lo and behold, because I was feeling so phenomenal, I had all this energy. Um, I was, I basically just, you know, took up cycling at the age of 41 um, and loved it so much that by the age of 42, I started racing. Really? And, yeah. And I'm 48 years now, 48 years old now, and I've been um, racing competitively um, since I was 42, so for about the last six years. Oh, great. And that's road, road bikes? Road, yeah. I actually just started um, racing track uh, this past summer, um, but I'm still pretty new at it, so I, I don't tell a lot of people because <laughs> I'm still yeah. green. That's, but I think that's a whole different ball game altogether, is it? Yeah, it is. And, and I tell you, it's been so much fun. I mean, I've met so many people um, over the last 
six years that I probably would have never met and interfaced with. And it was through cycling. And, um, and I w- probably wouldn't have been cycling if not for my plant-based diet. Yeah. And that's amazing. Like, like how long did it take you to train for, from, you know, when you heard about the charity cycle to actually doing it? Yeah. So that's a great question. So what happened was um, I was kind of convinced to sign up for this ride the same month that um, I went vegan and I kind of delayed starting my training because I was kind of regretting that I signed up for it. Um, In the meanwhile, I was running and training for half marathons. um, And it was kind of like December or January, I registered for the ride. And then a month or two later, I think it was in, actually it was St. Patrick's Day. So it was March, 2013, I hired a coach and who happened to work. Yeah. Well, he happened to work for the same company that I worked for and he was just doing it on the side. And so I walked down to his desk and I was like, Hey, Kendrick, um, I heard you coach people in, in cycling or triathlons. And he said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I told him what I was going to do. And he said, well, how, what's the distance? And I said, it's 300 miles over three days. And his jaw just kind of dropped to the floor. He's like, okay. (laughs) That's not a beginner cycle. No. I said, we better get ready. So, yeah. So I would, it took about, let's see, about six months from the time that, you know, I started training um, to the time that the ride actually took place. And I successfully completed it, of course. So, (laughs) and then you took the other step um, because now we have a website, obviously, and I can see from looking at it that you schedule appointments and things like that. I was just looking the website. The website looks great, you know, it's really fresh and all. And I just was uh, reading a few bits because from the from the beginning of it, you have um, it, your your mission kind of laid out in big writing: uh, help people who seek to embrace a plant based nutrition as a solution to improving health and making a social impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And then you address the question of why you say plant based nutrition is at an intersection individual health and the environment and treatment of animals. And then mm-hmm. you list a lot of positive results that could weight loss, increase energy, like you're talking about there, and mm-hmm. um, clarity, and uh, lower cholesterol, blood pressure, improve athletic performance and quality of life. So it's um it's pretty amazing because you see that straight away in big bold writing, you know, you know what you're about straight away from a few seconds of scrolling almost. How did you get into what made you start the website? Yeah, so that's a great question. So part of that, part of that transition to my diet, um, you know, whenever somebody makes this kind of a change and they feel so phenomenal, they just want to tell everybody, right? Yeah. So I actually went to my company, um, that I, the company that I was working for at the time, and shared with them what was happening with me and how I felt other employees could really benefit from this, you know, given. Um, the chronic disease epidemic we have, you know, globally, and also just the concern around sustainability and environmental stewardship. And so it was a little bit naive of me to kind of do that because I was just so sure that people would be as excited as me about it. And of course they weren't. Um, So I kind of got to a place after, you know, really a lot of 
contemplation that, you know, I wanted to pursue another path with my life and kind of go into what I call my second career. So I left aerospace in 2016 and I went back to school to earn a master's degree in nutrition sciences. And, um, and then when I graduated, I published a book and then launched my business at the same time. And um, I realized that, that, you know, people could really benefit from this, but I needed to go at it from a different angle other than, you know, um, through the company that I was working for at the time. So um, I wrote the book, The Plant-Based Workplace, with my company, the company that I worked for in mind, yeah. um, along with all the other companies and employees that are out there that are really struggling with their health and, um, you know, could really benefit if they want to take control. Um, yeah, because I could see, um, is that where you incorporate the CEO challenge? Is that along in that book, is it? Or is that a different thing? Yeah, no, that's the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that CEO challenge um, was kind of actually something my husband thought of. It was, I'll give him credit for the, for the <laughs> idea that, that, you know, I thought was, I thought was a great idea. Um, where, you know, if, if a CEO wanted to, um, you know, really kind of consider this type of change and engage employees in the process, they could actually reach out to their leadership or their workforce and say, hey, you know, would you be interested in one solution that would both improve our health and leave a lighter footprint on the planet? And of yeah. course, who's going to say no to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is good. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. results from that. No, I honestly, I got some media attention from it, but no CEO has really stepped up to the plate um, to take that on. But, you know, truthfully, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to take it on. It was more to get them to really think about it, you know, really think about, um, you know, just the, the logic of it, you know, in terms of really pulling employees into this conversation around, you know, our taking control of our health and leaving a lighter footprint. And it's really, it's a very complex topic because it really deals with um, people's, you know, food addictions, um, people's habits, um, and, you know, whether or not, you know, those kind of tough decisions around what gets served in the workplace um, you know, really can be changed. And, you know, you have to start somewhere with that conversation if if you're going to do something different to make a difference. Yeah, because I know as well, um, it's it's not really something that is talked about. And you're right, like, it was great to raise awareness for it. But, you know, um, it, it's so, it's talked about so little that it's almost forgotten about by most people in their day-to-day -day lives, you know. And, um I was only talking about it. like I I went through a bit of a bang over the summer where I I, I was cycling like doing a bit of cycling as well now and I was training for a, a race that's in Ireland called the Ring of Kerry and I fell off my bike and had to get shoulder plates in but I wanted to kind of rebuild myself the right way and I I signed up for a strength and conditioning course and I tried a few different diets so. I've been doing the intermittent fasting for a few months and I really enjoy that. I have to say I'm feeling great benefits from it. And um, it's mm -hmm. similar to it's it's similar to what you're saying with the vegan diet. Like I find 
increase health, uh, feel a lot lighter, uh, sharper. Um, I know I'm eating less of everything, I suppose, because I'm missing probably a, a meal in a day. And then how this topic kind of came up again was through this documentary on Netflix called The Game Changers. And I, uh, a friend of mine said he was doing, you know, a few days meatless during the week and meatless Mondays and kind of things like this. And he said that I'm going to see what it feels like. And it was, I know, like, it was received, it, was, it had mixed reactions, you know, and uh, a lot of people are talking about it. And I said, well, I threw it on and I said, well, you know what, like, because I had the platform here. It sounds like a good thing to do, so I'm going to do it. And I've been doing it for a month. It's a solid month now, mm-hmm. and um, I definitely don't feel any worse. But I, I'm doing it alongside the intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. and um, like I'm losing weight, and it—I don't know if it's it's boosted my weight loss. I'm not sure, and um, mm-hmm. maybe so. But uh, one thing I did find difficult was all of a sudden I realised that I didn't know what to buy or what to put together and uh, mm-hmm. you know we're so conditioned to believe to stay away from carbs and stay away from pasta and uh, so I said but like you have to you know replace something you know I have to figure out what to buy and it was a bit difficult I think Ireland's a little bit more behind maybe with the variety of food here like I had to go to a couple of shops and really dig around for mm-hmm. vegan food you know and uh, because it's such a niche market here maybe it was that little bit more expensive. You know, mm-hmm. it was easy to easy to cook. I went down to the local farmer market to try and get it from the best place possible as well, and that's what I am doing. But um, I definitely don't feel worse with it. Um, but I did find that I didn't know how to make meals to fuel my workout. So I'm trying to do mm-hmm. a bit of running, a hill running, and I was kind of just throwing a few veggies in the pot, and uh, you know, and I wasn't really thinking as much about it as I usually would. And maybe that's where you could help a bit there as well in, in kind mm-hmm. of, you know, cycling is a, a bit an endurance sport mm-hmm. really, and an aerobic sport. And so what would you put together if you wanted to fuel? Like, would you put high carbs or, or what would you kind of put together for a pre-workout or a post-workout meal? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so I've done a lot of different types of bike races. I've done some ultra distance races. Um, I've done a, you know, double century 200 mile race. I've done a 24 hour race, um, where I, um, yeah, it's about 300 and I think 340 some miles in 24 hours and, um, several century rides and, you know, hundred milers. Um, Yeah. And so typically what it comes down to is, you know, definitely making sure you're getting all the different, you know, food groups. So I tell my clients specifically, um, you know, strive to eat seven servings of vegetables per day, three of which are dark leafy greens. Um, So kale, arugula, spinach, um, uh, Swiss chard. And, um, and then two to three servings of whole grains, and then about a cup or two of legumes. So that could be lentils, beans, peas, um, that sort of thing. And, um, and nuts and seeds and really, you know, um, the, the training part of it comes down to calories and how much of that 
you know, you're going to need. So before a workout, um, I will typically have, and it depends on what time of day I'm working out. So my weekday workouts will usually be about an hour and a half. Um, and I'm fine with just having like a big salad for lunch. If I'm going to work out in the afternoon, I'll just have a big salad with maybe some chickpeas and a rainbow of vegetables because those colors um, in the vegetables and the plant food have, have, you know, so much nutrient density and so many phytochemicals that are beneficial for, you know, um, reducing inflammation and um, fighting off, you know, cancer um, cell, cell growth. And it's just one of those things where I think we get hyper-focused on macronutrient content, like carbs, protein, fats, that we don't really fully appreciate those micronutrients and phytochemicals that plant foods offer. So it's really about, you know, before a workout, let's say a 90 minute workout during the week, my workouts are usually more VO2 max type workouts. So there'll be um, intervals like either short, high intensity intervals, or there'll be um, maybe high cadence intervals or um, tempo type, you know, longer intervals. But it'll, you know, a large salad with uh, a cup of chickpeas and, you know, a piece of fruit um, is usually sufficient for me to fuel that afternoon workout. Yeah. In the morning, if I work out in the morning, a big bowl of oatmeal with fresh fruit or in some dried fruit. I, I love goji. I'm on this goji berry kick right now. So <laughs> fresh fruit and goji berries. And I don't think we have that here. <laughs> Oh, you don't? Oh, no, no. We're, we're, uh, we're only still getting a few foods in the last few years, you know. Avocado just hit the shelves like two years ago or something. Oh, know? no. <laughs> okay. We're pretty well, far behind. You'd be surprised. I'll ship you a package of goji berries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know that actually. I did pick them up. The little red berries. They're kind of right. Dry. Yeah. Like in Aldi last week. And I've been snacking on them, and they're actually quite nice. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. I, I was like, "What are these?" You know, I've never seen these before. Yeah, I'll be, on, I'll be on. Just, not to digress too much, but when I first tried the go a goji berry, I didn't like it at first, but I ate it. I tr I kept eating it because I knew, you know, that it was, you know, very beneficial just from an antioxidant perspective. And yeah. I said, um, "I'm gonna just." kind of forced myself to eat it. And I would say by the third or fourth time, I really acquired a taste for it. And now I just, I just, funny, I eat it. It's funny you said that because uh, I was the same. When I opened the packet, I was kind of like, oh, I, I thought it'd be a bit better than that. And then I went <laughs> back to the packet and I was like, well, look, the berries and I should be eating it. And I ate it and it was okay. Then I went back and I ate the whole lot. It's funny, isn't it? You have to give everything a second chance maybe sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, just admiring that, that picture behind you. What is that um, with your oh, name? Oh, that it's just my book cover. It's just oh. a poster of my book cover. Oh, yeah, very good. Nice, nice little yeah. frame. When you're talking about um, you're doing your high cadence workouts and your um, tempo, are you? Uh, would that be? Are you doing it on an indoor trainer? I do most of it on an indoor trainer. I do ride outside sometimes, but I live um, in a place where it's really hard to, you know, it, it's not like a flat straightaway type of 
terrain. It's very hilly, yeah. a lot of hairpin turns. No. Um, so it, when my coach gives me a workout with specific targets, it's very hard to control for, you know, just the terrain and then, you know, just the road traffic and everything. So I, unless he says something like, you know, just go out and ride, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually on the trainer. <laughs> um, what, what, where actually are you? What part of yeah, America are you in? Yeah, I'm in Washington State um, in the San Juan Islands. So, oh, no. yeah, you have to take a ferry to get here. Um, or yeah, a sea Sounds yeah. very exotic. <laughs> it does, but it's kind of rural, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because it, it's a little bit of a small town. It's a beautiful place, but it's it doesn't have a lot of the conveniences, you know, a place like Seattle, Washington, or Los Angeles, California would have. So, yeah. Um, because I know, like, cycling here in Ireland, like, it's been raining for about three weeks now, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, uh, and, and rain is fine. You have to be able to, like, if you're going to, you know, take on an exercise routine, you have to be prepared for the rain. Like, you can't look outside and say it's raining and, like, you're going to sit inside for four weeks on a time then, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's not sunny here. You get a few days now and again. But um, when it's windy and rainy and dark and our roads you know our back roads especially are terrible you know and they're very small they're very high speed limit for the size of them and there's tractors up and down and Mm -hmm. and i I like getting out in the summer and i always notice my weight drops by a few kilo every for them three summer months and i really should be incorporating indoor trainer more Uh, but i've been switching to running lately just to focus on um a couple of hill run events that i want to see if i can do you know um but like that's what i was wondering if, if weather has any effect to your your training it's more so maybe the the traffic build up and the conditions and terrain i suppose so over there yeah i mean we get we get some pretty gnarly winds here as well um and some you know rainy weather because we are in the pacific northwest so yeah. we get that doom that gloomy weather um and shorter days especially in the winter um but um yeah usually i just uh i, I do a lot on the trainer and um i do a little bit of uh, riding outside in the winter on selected days, you know, if it's um, if it's not too windy, a little rain doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the winds can be pretty pretty harsh um, and kind of dangerous. I've I've been in conditions where um, you know I've had debris just from the wind, you know, just hit me in the face, miss my eye, you know. Yeah. Even though I'm wearing glasses, I mean, it yeah. just cause it'll just cut through the side because it's um, just you know, it's rough, but, um, what type yeah. of work actually do you cycle? I, just as a, as a fan of, of road bikes, <laughs> I just, just curious. Yeah. I've got a Trek Madone. Um, oh, six, nice. yeah, it's a six series road bike. Um, and, um, I'm actually in the market for a new, a new road bike. Really? Um, Cause this one that I've had, I've, I've put a lot of miles on it, but it's still good, but it's starting to, show its wear so yeah, yeah. I, I i actually got um a trek madone it's, it's an old one it's a 5.2 um but it's like 10 years old or something so it's it doesn't look like like the newer models or that you know i think it could even be older than that i think it's like a 2006 or 7 model but uh but it's still like i had a 1.5 you know the way 
I think the higher they go, the better they are. Would that be right? You know, and I I think so. Yeah, I'm not as much of a bike geek um, as some of my my um, teammates are um, on my race team, but um, you know, I'm kind of more of a how does it feel? You know, I'm just more of a you know kind of a feel it out kind of a person when it comes to selecting a bike. Um, and uh, so I, I sadly don't have the same level of appreciation for componentry and all that stuff. That some <laughs> yeah, of my, that's my a good point. <laughs> like a, a Trek Madone 6 Series, they're really sought after. Like, you know, they're, they're a great looking bike. Um, yeah. But uh, like, I know uh, uh, everyone was saying to me, you should get a carbon bike. You should get a carbon mm-hmm. bike. So uh, that's why I went from the one. The 1.5 was doing me well. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love that bike. I, I put a, a like... I didn't do anything like the model you're doing, but I did like my first like um, event was like a 60k um, mm-hmm. Dublin bike ride. It's a smaller route, and then I did a few hundred. So we were doing it in kilometers, so I did a few hundred kilometers, which mm-hmm. is 60 miles. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I've done a few of them, 110 maybe. And I know the 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 one I was training for was 180, but it was the hills mm-hmm. of Kerry, so it was going to be hilly enough. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I fell off the bike the week before it. But mm-hmm. uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. But I haven't actually mm-hmm. much been on the bike since because I, I was using the Zwift, you know, the indoor one. Yeah, yes. that's uh, yeah, that's probably the most famous kind of indoor kind of online kind of one. But um, I just really wanted to start. I knew running uh, long distance, so I always fell down on it, and I wanted to sort that out. I wanted my hat shin splints. So I wanted to get that sorted. And funny enough, from the recent diet I've been doing, like all that inflammation is gone, you mm-hmm. know, an awful lot, I think. Um, and I think that's why I was saying, you know, the benefits you're saying of, of the vegan diet, I got with the fasting, and now maybe I'm, I'm boosting with the vegan diet as well. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine has been doing, a, I was only talking to me a few months ago about this, and he was telling me he, he was having health issues and he was got checked over and now he has no dairy and ever since that he feels way better and he yeah. said that he he gave up meat and then him and his wife did and uh, he said you know he just did it because he needed to change something in his diet because he wasn't feeling mm-hmm. good and he felt way better for it and he lost a lot of weight and then um, and a couple of people have come to me and saying geez you you look a lot you know, uh, better in the last few weeks. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, 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 like, it must, I definitely don't chalk things down to coincidences because I said I take note of everything, you know. Um, so I do think that maybe the two in combination are working mm-hmm. very well. I thought initially the two in combination was hard because I wasn't finding what to eat and I was finding it hard to find. Well, you can always find fruit and veg, but, like, just from, from meals, you know, for, like, kind of... Um, more carb-based meals or more meals that fill you, you know. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you had listed on your website as well, kind of five ways a plant-based diet will improve your life, uh, which is improved health, more energy. You leave a lighter footprint on the planet. You find uh, contentment in being service and helping others follow suit, and you find peace of mind. And um, I think, talk. can you talk about that, a peace of mind kind of, is it... Um, because it, it, it goes from, you know, training, thought, and truth is the kind of physical health. Thought is like your mental health, and truth is like your spiritual health. That's why I call it training, thought, yeah. and truth, the podcast. 
and like peace of mind as well is kind of mental and spiritual as well because we dealt on the physical side of it and um, what do you mean in, in terms of that yeah so there's a couple things i mean by that um I would say so, and I've had this conversation with other people who have moved to a whole food plant-based diet and they have experienced the same thing. It's this spiritual um, alignment or connectedness that um, I never personally had until I made the transition and I, I stopped eating animal products. And I think it has to do, I think there's a few things that are going on. Um, and I don't necessarily have any scientific proof of this. This is yeah. just my speculation and opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the first thing is that for one, I felt like, and I still feel like I'm living my values. I was always someone who, who said I was an animal lover and, you know, when Michael Vick was in, you know, I don't know if, you, if this made news over in, in the UK at all, but, you know, Michael Vick was this professional football player and he was indicted on charges for fighting pit bull dogs. And so the internet went crazy. Oh, he's the devil. He's this horrible person and all of that. So I was right up there, you know, because I had three rescue pit bulls. And so I was all over them, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm you know. And then I stopped and really thought about it. I said, you know what? I am no different than Michael Vick. You know, I find pleasure in eating animals. He finds pleasure in fighting animals. How am I any different than him? And so when I came to grips with that um, and changed what I was doing, I felt like I was finally kind of living my values. And, um, you know, not just talking the talk, but, you know, but also walking it, right? So um, I think that's one, one of the reasons why there's this kind of spiritual, you know, thing that happens. I think the other thing that might be happening um, is that when animals are raised for food, um, you know, there's a lot of stress in that environment. And I don't know this, but I can't help but wonder if stress hormones, um, you know, kind of remain in the food after they're killed. Yeah. And that when people ingest the food that they're ingesting stress hormones. Now that that may just be you know, nonsense, but it does cross my mind. I mean, it, I yeah, just well, it's want completely plausible because, you know, every, every week they find out something else about, you know, what we're ingesting and what we don't know about. Like it, it, we're at, we're at an age where we're discovering things at a phenomenal rate. So, you know, you know, when you're eating animals, you are eating their DNA and every part of, you know, what ran through their veins as well. So it is completely plausible as well, you know, but uh, I think it's like you, uh, yeah, the spiritual thing is, I, I get what you mean by that because I know, you know, a few videos emerged a few years ago, I remember, and, and it was like farmers running after uh, um, pigs to kill them and stuff like this, and people were horrified, but then they probably ate it the next day, and it's like, you know, um, are burying our heads in the sand and pretending it's not happening. Um, you know, if you don't agree with something, you know, lately as well, I've been reading a lot of, you know, 
what you believe is kind of what you live out, you know, as well. And um, it's like you're saying there, you were kind of, you start living out your values more. And I suppose the alignment came in. I think that is the whole thing with alignment, isn't it? You know, when you, when you act out what you personify in a lot of ways, you know, and, it, and it's a good thing. And would you consider yourself a spiritual person in terms of, would you believe in a higher power? I do. Um, I do. I'm not a, I'm not religious in the sense that, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not necessarily someone that goes to church on Sunday. Um, I'm not someone who quotes scripture um, on a regular basis kind of thing. Um, and, you know, the, and I'm not saying that to say there's anything wrong with that, of course, but it, that's just not me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do believe in a higher, higher power and, um, and, and I believe that, you know, there is this concept of being interconnected with each other. And, um, and that also is a big factor in, you know, why I created my true self. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it is, um, like you said, because like, you you know, have the ethical side. You know, it's funny because you have, you know, your, your point to make on why veganism help boosts your health. And, you, you know, and then, but also on the ethical side, it's hard to argue, I think, with the moral standpoint about, um, about veganism. Because I've seen there's a, yeah, a guy on YouTube called, I think it's Erling Ed. And he's a podcaster in England and he's done quite well. He has a lot of following and he kind of debates people out in the street or he, he actually had a, an Irish dairy farmer come over to him and they had a debate about it. And uh, I just, I don't know, even before the other documentary came out, I started tagging on to him a bit and I subscribed and was kind of listening to him. And I said, you know, the, the cases he's making, you can't argue with, you know, and mm -hmm. um, like, you know, the, the moral standpoint but as well i do think that like our morals come from somewhere as well you know mm -hmm. a, a higher power or something like that and i think you know that that is um like you said the connectedness of everything is all important you know because i think that's the same with humans as well you know mm -hmm. we're all in the struggle we all you know have to help each other out and pull through it and really at this day and age i guess it's very hard to argue with the vegan arguments because there's so much different varieties of food that this is really like you can predict the future where nobody eats meat. You could mm -hmm. because there's a, there's more of a, a push on it now. Like I'm seeing billboards when I'm driving to work about yeah, how calves are taken from their mothers because we're taking all the milk basically. And there's just, there's like, there's a few of them about chickens and, and pigs as well. And it's, it's only at their, they're only at the being put up around and it, there's definitely a push on you know for people to shift and i know that the farmers aren't happy with it and all but um you know there is plenty of you know you like you said grains and veg and and um what do you call them with the the beans uh, oh legumes legumes i've never yeah. heard that but um yeah, I do think, though, it's, um, you know, because I, I, one thing I did notice is that I wasn't missing the meat. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you don't get a craving for it or anything like that. Um, 
And, you know, you have to, I think you have to listen to your body because your body knows, you know, your body, it's craving certain foods like orange juice or something like that. You know, it's usually if they say it's deficient in vitamin C or something, you know, or bananas is potassium. And the body's kind of, um, it's like, it's like you have a kind of an ancient kind of a mind uh, their body has its own mind where it knows more than we actually know it knows what we're where we should be eating and what we should be reaching for i never mm-hmm. felt the craving for for meat since i stopped eating it but i do feel it for like oh that apple looks great you know and i'll take two of them today and stuff you know but it is funny the way it changed like that isn't it yeah i mean you can change your it's interesting there's a i think a few things going on you're changing your taste buds when you change yeah the food that you eat, but you're also changing your microbiome in your gut and because what you eat influences the microbial system in your digestive tract. Okay. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of research on that. Um, and I talk about it a little bit in my book, only to the extent that, um, you know, your microbiome can influence you know, um, your weight status, you know, when I'm talking about things like obesity, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you feed your body those, you know, resistant starches, that fiber rich food, it produces these short chain fatty acids in your gut that then influence your hormones. And there is a, you know, a gut brain connection. Mm-hmm. Um, which also could be like the third factor to why I think there's a spiritual connectedness around adopting a plant-based diet. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, you've probably seen the movie, I think it was called super size me where the guy went in and just, he said, okay, I'm going to just eat, you know, McDonald's for 30 days. And so, yeah. He obviously gained a lot of weight, but he also started to crave that kind of food because he went the opposite direction. Right. So you could you could you get to choose. I mean, that's the cool thing about it. And that's why, you know, when when I hear things um, like when I hear people say, well, you can't tell me what to eat and I'm not telling anybody what to eat. Right. You know, I'm just telling you the benefits that you could realize if you give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> but but um, that's the cool thing about having another option, um, you know. To uh, you know, and I I, t- I say that because I have conversations with people who have a you know chronic condition, and um, and so there's you know there's a track of well, you can continue down the traditional medical management with the prescriptions and everything, or you could try something different that involves a plant-based diet um, and exercise, of course. Yeah, um, which, which are two things that really, I think, remove symptoms because there are a lot of medications that manage symptoms, <clears throat> but there's a lot of, I think, diets that, you know, um, are very beneficial to your body that actually just let the blood flow. Like, there was an interesting piece on that documentary, uh, The Game Changers, where they had the burritos out and they had the three athletes and they had, you've probably seen this bit. Of, oh, yeah. Know, they had like the guy eating the bean burrito and then they took the blood and they put the plasma in it and they shook it and the clarity of his blood compared to the other two athletes was a bit shocking, you know? And that yeah. made me really kind of sit back and go, whoa, because 
they said this is why it affects your cardiovascular system because you're pumping mm. unoxidated blood, cloudy blood to all your organs. And um, it really made made sense because that obviously would like clog up. So what's the whole point of your lower heart rate when you're exercising is you're getting complete oxygenated blood going to them organs. Um, so there's a few there's a few pieces like that that I really was taken aback. But you know, people came online straight away to shoot shoot it down. And mm-hmm. this is the problem with the internet as well that, that because you can have two qualified nutritionists and both competing against something, but they're both qualified in their fields. Mm-hmm. And um, I trying to you know, it, it was hard to make sense of what voice is winning out on it almost, you know? And that's why I said, I'm going to do it myself because I'm not going to shoot down anything mm-hmm. that you don't be honest about. You know, you have to try it and, you know, and uh, and I would recommend it as well like, from trying it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I think there is a bit to learn on it. I mean, there is a bit to, you have to do a bit of digging and and um, kind of put your mind, maybe, maybe not for you now because you know you have, your daily shopping, your weekly shopping list, and you know, have to put food together and all. But people get too convenient with uh, milk in a carton, you know, or eggs mm. there, you know, and uh, just meat thrown in the George Foreman grill and it's done, you know. And, you know, there's a lot more prep and veg and openness. But just from eating the the fruit alone during the day, you feel mm. a great boost in energy, I think, you know, and if, you know, I'll definitely advocate incorporating that into anyone's diet you know mm-hmm. yeah i think cultural differences and i don't know if this is you know because you i'm talking to you and you're in america at the moment in ireland and there's we're all humans but when you look at the scale you know you often see you know when we think of americans you think they're a lot bigger you know and you, you know when we order size of clothes there's american size xl and there's like i'm xl but I know when you hear American size XL, you know, it's a whole different thing. Right. But, but I think the culture of the fast food maybe has capitalized a bit more on the American cities and poured out because obviously it's a lot a bigger population. Um, and I think that they have, is that the convenience, do you think, that, that just they seem bigger as a race or less healthy? Well, yeah, so um, 40% of... Uh, adults in the United States are classified as obese. Um, yeah, and um, close to, I think it's 70% are overweight or obese. Um, and depending on how you measure, you know, BMI, um, some might even say it's it's higher than that. Um, I think that what we have in America is um, really a problem with corporations and poor government policy around food. Um, Specifically, we have um, government subsidies that give commodity producers, um, meat and dairy, economic advantages that makes things like a McDonald's, you know, hamburger cost less than a kale salad, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so what you end up with is this obesogenic environment that we have um, where people are heavily reliant on ultra processed foods because the commodities that are used in those ultra processed foods are subsidized. So it makes those foods less expensive. Yeah. They're more accessible. 
And for, you know, busy, stressed out people, it's their go-to meal. Um, And you're right. It does take more time to prep, um, you know, uh, if you're eating a whole food plant-based diet. Um, But you're getting a lot more um, nutrients and you're improving, you're restoring your health and what I, what I, you know, often talk about with some of my clients who, you know, kind of are, um, I wouldn't say taken aback, they kind of know it because I tell them up front that, you know, it, it does take a little more effort than maybe what you're used to. But you know, the reality is, is, you know, what's the alternative, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it takes someone who um, maybe had uncontrolled or unmanaged diabetes um, that um, has now advanced to chronic kidney disease um, three or four days out of their week, three to four hours at a time to go to a dialysis center to receive dialysis for, um, you know, for their condition. And that takes a lot more time than, you know, making a salad. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it comes down to a couple things. One is, you know, we all have a choice to make, you know, um, we can complain and not do something, um, but it, it comes down to priorities and what's, what's important, you know? Okay. So, um, you know, you have folks that have no problem spending a thousand dollars on a new iPhone but will complain that, yeah, that, um, you know, that kale salad costs $12. I don't think I want to pay that much money for it. Um, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. You're right. And the priorities are a bit messed up like that because really in the long term, like, yeah, everyone is pushed. See, the work environment now as well, everyone's pushed to maximum hours and everyone's on the go all the time. They don't have a minute and, you know, um, you can see the attractiveness that like the consumers are obviously capitalizing on by getting the cheap things out in the stand and paying for the mm-hmm. stand. That's the minute you walk in the door, if you're just going for a coffee, there's a bar of whatever, or there's, you know, junk food really. And the thing is about, you know, you're talking to that guy who ate the McDonald's and that supersized me. He like was very depressed doing it as mm-hmm. well. And it's the same if like, I don't, I don't really eat that much fast food or anything like that, but I know the feeling of, having McDonald's and you always feel terrible after, you know, it's, and it's, it's a given, you know, you're, you're sacrificing yourself now for your future self, you know, or the opposite way. But, um, you know, and it is for them small pleasures, but like you said, you know, doing the prep, I think it should be the same as like workout takes time, but we all know the benefits mm-hmm. of the workout, you yeah. know, prep doesn't take as long. Like it doesn't really take that long when you actually do it. You know, like it seems like a bigger task than it is sometimes, you know, because like sometimes I do like throwing a bit of music and then I just go up to the chopping board or, you know, sometimes I have an interesting YouTube clip there by the microwave and then I'm chopping and then it doesn't take any time then, you know, because you're walking away and it feels much better for eating something completely fresh, you know, rather than that. Because it, it actually takes a lot quicker sometimes than oven food or anything like that, you know. You're putting the pan, you're stirring it up, you're serving it out. But it's the longevity of life as well that people either, I don't know if they don't care or they're sacrificing because, like you said, your organs and, you know, you eat stuff like that and you become overweight. There was a big push on the, um, the you know, 
a few years ago. I think it died down an awful lot because it was attacked. But you know, love your body no matter what size you are, and embrace being overweight and these things. And I remember a nutritionist came on and they said, you know, don't be telling people that because it's, it can lead to like cancer cells multiply. You know, that weight around your stomach. You know, yeah. I know like if if people have issues and and you know, they eat or not not just that they have issues, but if they have a bad lifestyle, then they need to fix that. That's like having a broken leg. You know, you have to go get that looked after and get it sorted. And I guess, like, I presume that's the kind of thing you're doing as well, because I could see you obviously take clients through your website. So are they coming to you with, you know, are you assessing their routine? Because uh, I know probably genetics come into it to a certain degree, maybe, or um, lifestyles. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, so a lot of times whenever I give either whether I'm talking to a client or um, if I'm doing some sort of a plant based nutrition education workshop, the first thing I usually start off with is why is your health important to you? Why do you care about it? And what inevitably happens, it'll you know, responses will be, well, I want to be around for my grandchildren or I don't want to be a burden to my kids or, um, you know, I, I want to retire and be able to travel the world. You know, I don't want to be restricted or, you know, it could even be, I want to lose weight because I know it'll give me more confidence in my work, you know, and what I do professionally. And, um, so whatever the reason is, you know, it has to be important enough for them to basically change decades of, you know, habitual eating patterns that have not served them. And um, usually when they come to me, they are at that place where they're ready and they just don't know how to do it. Um, and so what I do is I, you know, basically handhold them. I guide them through, you know, how to make the transition. I work with them on specific you know, meal plans, and we talk about nutrients and supplements, and we talk about other things that can impact their ability to be successful or not. Like, do they have a supportive spouse? Do they, or a partner? Or do they, um, yeah, are they on medications? Um, I try not to get too heavy into um, saying, okay, you're going to lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds, because to your the point you made earlier, genetics does play a role in weight status. Um, and the important thing is, and I try to emphasize this to my clients, is it's really more about achieving and maintaining a healthy weight. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you've done the diet, you, you, you've got the consistent physical activity down, and, you know, you may not get into that size six dress, but if you're in a size 10 dress and you have, you know, normal cholesterol, your blood glucose is in good shape, your blood pressure is in good shape, you've got all those metabolic parameters that are in the normal healthy range, then, you know, you're a size 10, you know, and, and you know, and working with them to kind of get comfortable in their body and their own skin, whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and that's my approach. Yeah, and I'd say <clears throat> you, you obviously will probably get a lot of clients saying, 
that they feel a lot more energy. Is that like me more common than that? I suppose as well. And there is like I did come across. I was trying to find arguments against the vegan thing, and I I know a lot of them are made by farmers. And uh, you know, I, I was I seen some examples of of what I came across, and uh, a lot of plant-based diets include lab par now these could be old arguments which are kind of gone now but uh, our large portion of food is shipped halfway across the world burning fossil fuels uh, yeah. the packaging is very resource intensive and um, there's harmful ingredients like palm oil and creating cropland to grow plant-based food kills many of them now i understand as well I think this came from a farmer page, you know, and I do know there's intentions in that as well because I know, um, the, you know, a lot of food is shipped across the world in a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why I think it might be all arguments is because I think there's a lot more um, accessibility to to food now as well. Um, but would you find would you have any clients that come on and and kind of argue? certain would would they ever get into that stage where look i don't want to do the vegan side of things yeah i have some clients who are i call them plant-based butts <laughs> they, they want to go plant-based but they want to have that piece of fish on saturday with their husband they yeah. want to go plant-based but they want to have a hard-boiled egg in the morning yeah and yeah. so and that's fine you know um so i work with that um, as far as the environmental piece of it, um, you know, I, I've heard that argument before, but it doesn't really have merit because, you know, animal products are shipped around the world as well. I do try to stress, you know, locally sourced, regionally sourced um, produce. Um, not everything's going to be, um, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, we don't grow bananas well up here. <laughs> so, you know, there are some foods that, you know, do have to travel some miles, but it really comes down to just reducing that impact, right? Yeah. Um, I did a calculation um, because um, I, I gave a talk here on the island where I live and we, I, I ran the numbers because, you know, I had someone telling me, but it's locally sourced, it's better for the environment. And it's, it's such a, um, it's, it, it's not as simple as that, because if you take into consideration the demand for specific animal products, whatever they are, most people are eating them from factory farms or what they call concentrated feeding operations. Yes. And so those, the, the environmental issues with those farms, um, you know, are very well documented and well known. And, and so when someone, when you have like a cluster, a small cluster of, you know, well-to-do people who are getting their animal products, you know, from locally sourced places, it's almost like they're living in a little bubble when they are just saying, you know, hey, this is more sustainable because it's local. But the problem is, is if you take into consideration the demand for those animal products, if it were to remain constant, you would literally have to clear out all the nature preserves on the island where I live to make way for grazing land for those animals to support 
support the demand on this island. And, and all you have to do is just, you know, you just look at the people on the island, the number of people, you look at the approximate number who are meat eaters, and you could just get, you know, census or statistical data. Um, and then you just apply a ratio of how many farm animals per um, acre of land or however you want to measure land, and you just run the numbers and you can't sustain it. There's, you just can't. And that's not including things like methane gas emissions and um, growing crops and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, I think that argument um, is a little bit dated because it doesn't really look at the big picture. And um, I think more people are becoming um, more aware of the environmental impacts of animal agriculture. I mean, look at, you know, Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat products. Those products were designed specifically for the meat-eating environmentalist, um, not, for, not for the nutrition people, <laughs> but yeah, for, yeah. for the environmentalist. <laughs> So, which is great. I mean, you know, I, I have to put on two hats sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I know it is interesting because I know, you know, someone made the point today to me that uh, I think we're the only animal or mammals that eat, that drink another mammal's milk or, you know, you know, the way you think and are, you know, that milk really is, cow milk is meant to turn calves into cows you know what i mean so it's, it's too much for our body to process because a lot of people seem to be dairy intolerant to some form or another or you know when they give it up you often hear commenting that their skin clears up and you know all you know it, it a lot more people you hear it much more it's like everyone is a bit dairy intolerant at least you know yeah. that's what it does seem like doesn't it you know so maybe you know but i think that there's a there's probably an element of Gluttony in society now, where we have we can eat whatever we want and we will eat whatever we want, and that's how people want to be. And um, the more exotic, the better, almost you know. Um, but I'm sure, like, the one thing I wanted to ask you when you said that the the, uh, the buff vegans, um, you know, do, do you have to allow do, would they lose some benefits doing that in terms of? Like we were talking about that blood sample, you mm -hmm. know, um, I, I, it just makes me think that if they ate a meal, even one meal a, in a week, that it straight away does it contaminate their blood again, you know, like do they, do they stop that detox all of a sudden? Well, yeah, I think what it comes down to is it, I call it a, it not, I don't, it's not just me calling this, but, um, it's referred to as a dose response relationship. So the more whole food plant-based you, you eat in a varied way. So, you, you know, it's, it's eating a variety of different foods um, under that whole food plant-based umbrella. Um, the better the response, you know, that you'll get in terms of endothelial function and um, overall health. Now the, the debate that, I think people tend to have is how much animal products can you consume before it becomes detrimental or harmful. Um, and we don't know, and each person's going to be different. Um, you know, I think there are some people 
um, particularly with the predisposition for cardiovascular disease that are going to be a lot more sensitive to um, any animal products. Um, whereas you might have another person who is not quite as sensitive that could, you know, consume more animal products and still be, you know, quote unquote healthy. Now, the thing with the Game Changer movie, it's a little bit different because they're also looking at athletic performance, whereas the average Joe or average Jane, you know, isn't necessarily concerned about, you know, um, their power output on the bicycle. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, kind of the context and, um, and each person's kind of predisposition to, you know, certain disease conditions. Yeah, I do know, like, a lot of people seem to complain about health problems after eating pork. I think that's one of the highest ones I've come across. Um, and then sometimes you don't know what's true or fake when it comes up on the internet, but people that are showing, you get a lot of medical photos of people after eating pork and, and you know, if it's ringworm, it's like, you know, they're, it looks like it's, it's really doing damage to them in a lot of ways, you know. Um, but as well, one thing I wanted to ask you as well with the um, the fasting as a nutritionist, uh, mm -hmm. I found it great. But I don't know. Do you recommend that to people? I know there's um, okay. it's, it's a bit trickier with uh, with women. I know uh, if because it has to be more um, well planned, maybe. But um, I, I found it quite it has been working great for me. What's yeah. your thoughts on it? Yeah, so intermittent fasting is very beneficial. Um, there have been um, several studies. There's one in particular um, that showed the benefit specifically for people with rheumatoid arthritis and obesity in terms of, you know, reducing inflammation and helping to aid um, in weight loss. So, um, I have recommended it to uh, some of my clients where it made sense. Okay. Um, and, you know, um, there's, there's a book, and I can't remember the name of the book. It was by Walter, Walter Longo, I think. Um, I actually read it um, over the summer. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. But um, he goes into really good detail around kind of the benefits and um, kind of why it works. Um, but it, it is something that I do recommend to, to some of my clients. Yeah. Have you ever tried it? I have. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious to see um, one of my colleagues try this when I was trying it. And uh, he's, when I was doing the running, I felt a great benefit, like energy wise. And mm -hmm. uh, I read that, because after 12 hours, you kind of burn from the fat stores, which are the most concentrated store of energy. Mm -hmm. and, and he found he was on the bike. And you know what longer bike rides, you're constantly kind of snacking and keeping your carbs up. And uh, he found it wasn't translating as easily for him on the bike. Mm -hmm. So he, he kind of knocked it on the head. And it mm -hmm. made me think, I haven't gone back to the bike yet, but I really do enjoy cycling. I don't, like I can lift weights and I can run while fasting like 15 or 16 hours into a fast mm -hmm. and I feel great but it does make me wonder if I go out and try to do 100 kilometers next time will I crash I don't yeah. know yeah I've not tried it in relation to physical activity I've done it more um as 
you know, a recovery type approach to just reducing some inflammation in my body. Um, So I've not necessarily been in a fasted state and exercised. Um, Yeah. yeah. So it's for me more, um, you know, just more on a day where I've got nothing going on and I'm just going to kind of chill out and zen out and just, let my yeah, body feel itself. It can reset the body, can't it? You know, they do recommend it now and again. But um, but I've also heard, you know, we were touched on a little bit this with genetics. You do see a lot of the companies online all stating different things um, and the sports science is quite big now. But there was a, a company in America that were advertising on YouTube that they sent you out a kit. And I wanted your opinion on this as, as someone who... Uh, you know, uh, experienced athletic and nutritionist that they send you out a kid anyway, and you take a, uh, either a swab of saliva or, or, or a blood sample, I'm not sure, and you send it back to them, and they send to a lab, and they can break down what type of muscle groups you are and what food works best for you. And um, mm-hmm. now I haven't heard any testimonies of this, but I heard like they obviously spent a great deal on advertising it, and um. I wanted to get your opinion on it if you've ever heard of that because um, people are very, you know, standoffish about that kind of thing, and which is mm-hmm. understandable because everything, everything you download on your phone needs your location now and your contacts and your photos and you know and people are worried to think that there's a database of them being built up somewhere and if you give them your yeah. DNA then on top of everything else you know what are they up to you know yeah have, have you come across or heard anything about that I um I seen advertisements for a product that did say that they could tell you what your muscle composition was in terms of fast twitch versus slow twitch Mm. but to be truthful i didn't i don't necessarily um need to know that because i i already know what my muscle composition is based on my performance you know i i know that I have a higher percentage of slow twitch muscles because I can go for long distances at a steady pace. And I know that, you know, when I'm in a bike race and I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast because anybody that's going to race with me will know my weakness, (laughs) that I'm not a sprinter. So my fast twitch muscle composition isn't all that great. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily need a a kit to tell me that. I just know based on, you know, my power output on the bike um, relative to uh, um, other people, you know, on a watt, because I measure, I use use watts. I measure my performance based on wattage. And so my watts per kilogram for a, you know, a 30-second or a 10-second sprint versus a 20 minute FTP test, I kind of know where I'm at. And so I kind of know, you know, what my strengths are in my muscle composition um, yeah. and, you know, where I, where I focus my energy on developing. You kind of know what works for you and you have your own routine. And yeah, no, it does make sense. Obviously there's probably no need for the likes of that, you know, but you can see how people with money who have a bad health lifestyle control money took that way, you know, because yeah. like, I know I talked to a lot of people who, um, who, uh, do tell me that, you know, that seem kind of more miserable, you know, and, um, in, in terms of the unmotivated kind of almost self-destructing or in a day, like maybe on the overweight scales. And, um, 
do you think a lot of that comes from diet consumption as well in terms of what chemicals we're putting in because you know i know the brain it's very sensitive to chemical balances mm-hmm. and, and i know as a nutritionist it, it, i it's almost like you're also a psychologist in certain ways because mm-hmm. you know it's a lifestyle change but it has to be a psychological lifestyle change so you have to rewire your brain almost in that yeah. way do you find that in terms of moods for people yeah you know that's a, a great um, question because I was having this conversation with someone just this past week and you know I think it comes down to our subconscious and the fact that our subconscious controls you know I've heard 90 to 97 percent of what we actually do and um, and and I, I believe that to be true when I think back to when I was told I had the arteries of a 46 year old when I was 35 years old. And I, re- I remember in hindsight that the reason why I was reluctant to make any drastic changes, quite frankly, was because I had this um, limiting belief that if I stopped eating animal products, that the quality of my life would go down. Um, and I say that because you know, my husband and I are dinks, dual income, no kids. And we would go to fancy restaurants and steakhouses. And, you know, I felt like, wow, I'm going to go from eating filet mignon to eating rice and beans. So, you know, that my lifestyle is just going to go down the tubes and I don't want that to happen. And I didn't think I wasn't necessarily thinking about it at the time, but in hindsight, that's what was going on. My subconscious was keeping me from making that big change back then when I knew about when I knew about the benefits of a plant-based diet. Because um, I learned about it when I was 35 years old because um, I learned about it from a cardiologist who shared with me some information about Dr. Dean Ornish and the study he did back in the 90s that showed you could reverse heart disease by eating a plant-based diet. And so I didn't want to accept that. You know, I just said, there's no way I can give up my cheese or my meat. You know, it was like, I can't do that. And it wasn't that I couldn't, it's just that my subconscious was, you know, controlling me. You know, my subconscious is controlling me right now. (laughs) So it just, I think it comes down to, are you aligned? Is your conscious mind aligned with your subconscious mind? Mm -hmm. And if it is, then great. But if it isn't, you know, let's dissect that a little bit. Let's talk about that and figure out what's going on in that subconscious mind that's driving the behavior. It's really interesting, yeah, that you say, because it is true, isn't it? Because uh, I you know, read a lot on neurology as well, and they can't really explain the subconscious mind much, um, and uh, they can't locate it, and um, they don't know why we have it. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I give kind of evidence for, I'd be quite, I would say religious, I'd be quite faith-based though, you know, as opposed to I'm not part of any one religion, but I do believe in, in God and Jesus in that way from the Bible and stuff. But, you know, I do, because I think that we're, we seem purposely designed and we work so well and, and everything seems interconnected like that as well, you know, and for now, like you said, subconsciously, because you're right, because you're, you're tying that in with the, the people who are kind of miserable as well. And it's hard, you know, 
sometimes when you say it's true that if you get out and start exercising, you know, to someone on the couch or someone in that dark space, they know it's going to be beneficial to them, but they might have a small injury that they've made big in their mind or they've, mm-hmm. you know, created that subconscious barrier to stop them doing it. Um, and any small excuse can become a big excuse. And you can, you can make yourself believe, you always hear that people can make themselves believe, you know, mm-hmm. they act out in a lot of ways, you know. And I think that's true with a lot of things. I think that's true with physical exercise, like you said, the diet as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's the same. I think it's the same with the faith as well because if you start to go down that road and believe it, it means you have to act it out and people don't want to change their lifestyles in that way as well. And it seems almost like um, a holistic health kind of approach to it as well. Would you talk, would you, would you label yourself? Because it, it seems like you, you do take that pro- approach in a way with the, um, the kind of more spiritual side as well. Yeah, you know, I I do, depending on the client, um, I have such a variety of different clients coming to me for different things and different reasons. And I have gotten into a little bit of the spiritual discussion with some of them. Um, And so I just kind of each client I, I, you know, is, is different. And so if having that spiritual conversation makes sense. Um, You know, for example, I had a client more recently and we got into the ethics of eating animals and they were really kind of struggling with kind of giving that up. They've, they've, they've given up, you know, eating the flesh, but they were still, you know, consuming um, the, you know, dairy and eggs and whatnot. And, but they were, they were, they, they would say, they were saying like, you know, I feel better when I do this, but, um, I still, you know, I feel better when I'm not eating any animal products, but I'm just not ready to give it up. And so we, we talk a little bit about why, you know, why does that, you know, um, resonate with you in terms of feeling better, like emotionally was kind of the point that this person was making. And, and then when they start to dissect it, you know, um, it came down to, they knew that, that continuing to consume animal products um, wasn't necessarily, you know, ethically in line with what they wanted to do, but they weren't quite ready to make that next step to forgo them. And so we're just in this space right now where, you know, you continue to eat them and, you know, and when you feel like you're ready, you know, then we can talk about, okay, well, let's talk about, you know, when you stop eating those, what are some things, you know, nutritionally we want to talk about. Um, And so it's about, it's more about, you know, where people meeting people where they're at basically. Yeah. And, and, you know, touching on the spiritual part of it in so much as they're struggling with it um, and and helping them think through it a little more and feeling like they're in a safe space to talk about it. Yeah, um, that's why it sounds like a lot of, like, it's almost like a psychiatric or counseling session almost as well because, you know, when you think of a health coach, you think of someone in the gym who just sees someone asking their weight 
and here's how you operate this machine. But the fact that you, you sit down with people on an individual basis and talk through them first and then kind of build them up for it, or you, like it's different for different people, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, it is interesting as well, isn't it, that that falls into an awful lot. Because I know I was reading a statistic earlier. It was like 80 now statistics change a lot you know especially with with different things out there but apparently this said 83 percent of people who try the vegan diet end up going back mm -hmm. and maybe 83 percent is a high statistic but maybe the statistic is high as well why would you think that is what like what are they lacking are they lacking guidance or what do you think I think for a lot, of, at least some of the ones that I'm aware of, they didn't go about it the right way. Um, I've seen people who just kind of went, you know, to this fruitarian type diet and they ended up with some specific health problems, digestive issues, um, you know, maybe some protein deficiencies because fruit, you know, is the one um, food group on a vegan diet that doesn't have you know, enough protein. I mean, if you're eating a lot of veg vegetables, have a ton of protein, if you're eating enough calories. Um, but, you know, if you're eating fruit and just fruit, you're going to run into some problems. Um, so I think, I think the biggest thing that I've seen is that people aren't doing it right. And not just the fruit diet, but you have people that um, will go and get the impossible burger at, at, the fast food restaurant, you know, and think they're eating healthy and they're not losing the weight they thought they would lose. And they're just not eating the right types of plant foods. They're eating junk, vegan junk food, basically. And um, so I think a lot of it does have to do with that. And I think there's also a percentage of people who um, the social pressure, whether it's their partner or their family who are giving them you know, crap about, you know, eating a vegan diet or a plant-based diet, that that kind of pressure does weigh on a person over yeah. time. Yeah. And they get tired of having to fight it and they just succumb to it. And I think there's a percentage of people that kind of fall into that category. Yeah. Um, and I think those are probably the two biggest reasons. Um, and there may be some others, but those are, I think, ones that kind of are common that I've seen. Yeah, because I think, you know, in what you're saying there, um, if, if, if one person tries to do it and their partner's not ready for it, like luckily, obviously you was, and you, were, you had the support there from the get-go, but um, I did notice while doing it that, you know, I wasn't eating at the same time as, you know, my, uh, my partner and child and not eating the same thing. And... Um, like just because I'm doing a diet, it doesn't mean they have to, you know, and I'm not going to force that on them. But it did mean that I was sitting, you know, it was taking a bit longer for my meal to prep and I was eating by myself or whatever, you know. And I do right. get that. It, you can see why people would just say, oh, I'll eat that, you know, yeah. which I haven't done. Because at the end of the day, you know, if we were to give up everything that was hard to do nobody would do anything good at all you know <laughs> and they get yeah. so you know the easy choice is always well not always but sometimes the worst one to make you know but um, yeah. you can see how that can be an issue unlike what i said about you know if you're somewhat athletic and you um are struggling 
for guidance to find you know someone who knows what's happened about them, what to eat and what to look out for that will fuel you for certain you know because you want to maintain like there's a few different aims you know and um you want to maintain your your physical performance mm-hmm. your health um but you know um so you want to make sure that all fits in with your diet then as well on top of things i know your diet like we said your diet massively influences your mood and mm-hmm. i do wonder as well like because there's a lot of controversy about how meat is contaminated with hormones and um mm-hmm. y- you know maybe just taking a step back from that isn't bad for anybody you know to to kind mm-hmm. of see how you feel and just just to gauge it and i kind of recommend everyone to try that because um like i, I was talking to a friend of mine who um is a personal trainer in here in ireland and uh he went through all the diets and he landed on on the on the vegan diet, just plant based diets, because he said it fueled them better for his races. I said, "Geez, I may like he did the caveman diet." He said, and he went on the all meat diet, and then he went on a vegan diet, and then he said he had a few races all in the middle of it. So he came out being completely plant based, and then doing marathons. Then you know, um, so it obviously works. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just about figuring out. Maybe I was a little unprepped initially, or you know, one day I just said, right, that's it, I'm doing it. And didn't yeah. look in the, didn't look in the press before I did it, you know, or I didn't go shopping before it happened, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's tricky switching your your diet like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's about kind of figuring out your go to meals. Um, other things that, you know, I tell my clients, um, specifically my clients who are athletes or um, women, um, typically under the age of 50, um, things like iron, for example. So plant foods do, there are a lot of iron rich plant foods. And the key with that is consuming foods that are high in vitamin C with iron rich foods. So if you're eating like a lentil soup, you know, have, um, have an orange with it. Um, and that's because what that does is it increases the bioavailability of the iron, um, which your body does need. Um, you know, making sure, for example, that you're, um, if, if you're not looking at your omega-3s very carefully, and what I mean by that is flaxseed oil, for example, is the highest source of omega-3 ALA fatty acids. And, but your body does need EPA and DHA, which are derivatives of ALA, and not to throw all these acronyms at you, but EPA and DHA are often found in fish, and that's because fish eat algae, and so they get the the EPA and DHA from the algae, and people get that nutrient from the fish, so they're getting it secondhand. So if you're not cognizant of the amount of ALA you're consuming in relation to other fats, because other fats will um, compete with the pathway to, to synthesize EPA and DHA, I tell my clients who are eating a plant-based diet to also supplement with a good algae-based EPA, DHA. Okay. Um, the other thing I tell my clients, specifically my athletic clients, um, around recovery 
Um, there's recovery of both, you know, obviously mus muscle tissue needing um, to the proteins around the muscle tissue repairing themselves. So eating a protein rich, but also carbohydrate rich um, meal after a hard workout or race um, to both replenish your glycogen stores and also aid in the tissue uh, repair um, of your muscle tissue. So something like, you know, like a rice and bean burrito that they were showing in the Game Changer movie is, yeah. is spot on. You know, it meets that that criteria um, in terms of being both protein and carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate rich. Um, and um, and then certainly, you know, the one thing that I've noticed with a lot of my clients in particular um, is that they're not necessarily hydrating very well. They're not drinking enough water or something, you know, as basic as water um, is a very important um, for a variety of reasons. But, um, you know, those are kind of just some of the tips in addition to the seven servings of vegetables I yeah. mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, no, because it is true. And I, the one thing I took away from the game change as well was that the, uh, the animal... The, you know the protein the the body weight or the, the bodybuilding industry push the uh, weight lifting you know to eat meat and get where you get your protein from mm -hmm. and then it said well they're getting the animals are getting their protein from the plants they're eating mm -hmm. you know and um that is so that there's plenty of vegans actually have a higher percentage of protein in a body as average than than people who eat meat and i thought it was interesting what, well, what do you think, that, like apparently 6% of Americans are vegan and it's quite a low number, but what do you think would need to change society-wise? You know, I know it's just, I know it's a tricky question but and it's probably a big ask, but, you know, what, what do you think to change, what would need to be done to change people's eating habits? Well, I think it starts with, um, I think, first of all, I'm encouraged to see that, I think I read that, like 40 or 50% of people are interested in eating more plant-based. So I think that's a first step. It's kind of like a precursor to becoming full-on vegan um, or vegetarian. And I think too that, you know, I think for some people, a lot of people, um, they're afraid to not eat meat. I mean, they're literally afraid to not eat meat. And, um, and I think that there's, there's, there is a population of people that, you know, when they, when they try eating plant-based and they're amazed at how good it is and how much better it makes them feel, you, you've got, you know, you've got the entry to growing that number. And I think the Game Changer movie did a good job in terms of profiling the um, football team from Tennessee and the players who were mocking, um, I think it was uh, Derek Mitchell, um, about him adopting a plant-based diet. And then they were just like, oh, that looks good. And then they tried it and they liked it. And then, you yeah. know, the meals that his wife provided just grew. Yeah. And so I think it, it is a little bit of not being afraid to not eat meat. And, you know, exploring some of those options and seeing how it makes you feel and um, the benefits, you know, in terms of your health status. Yeah. So, so what's, what's the message then 
try it, just give it a shot. Yeah, don't be afraid to not eat meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a simple one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's great. Listen, I, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time and um, and reaching out, and um, it was great talking to you. And I, I'm going to post a link to your website as well on this, and people can check it out and look up the benefits you have posted on it, and uh, hopefully follow you and see and see that as well. Um, but look, it, it was very interesting. Thanks very much for taking the time out to chat. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, thanks very much. And I hope to I'll have this posted over the next couple of days and you can so hopefully you're happy with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Listen, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Okay, thank you. Okay.